Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. I'm going to be joined later on by Josh Kendall, who covers the Atlanta Falcons for The Athletic and does an incredible job over there. And what we're going to be doing is kind of compiling a joint list of our top five moves for the Falcons this offseason. It has been a very busy one, no doubt, for the Atlanta Falcons um, so far. And so we're just going to kind of walk through a lot of the moves that they've made and, and compile, as I said, a, a top five list. And Best is what I send him, and best is purposefully subjective. So I'm really curious to see where he takes it. Is, is it short-term moves that are going to help them immediately in 2023, or is it something like the five-year uh, extension for Chris Lindstrom and locking up one of the best young guards in the league for the foreseeable future? So that is kind of what we have on tap for you guys today. Real quick, though, some housekeeping notes. NFL schedule release is going to be Thursday, your tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Wednesday when it drops. Ovi and I are going to break down the schedule release with a quick little show after um, everything is announced. We're going to kind of run through it all, share maybe our predictions, our initial predictions for you know what the Falcons' final record could be in 2023. We're going to take a look at any primetime games that they have, any really tough stretches on the schedule. So be on the lookout. For that. And then, of course, you know, once we know the schedule, we will have plenty more to talk about in the coming weeks and months, which is going to be a little bit of a dead period. But again, keep an eye on the feed and check out our YouTube channel, Believe in Falcons, um, for a show at least once a week during the summer. And if I'm going to take extended time off, I will be sure to let you guys know. So that'll do it for the intro to today's show. We're going to get on over to my conversation with Josh Kendall about, you know, this offseason, just what to expect. And again, ranking our top five Atlanta Falcons offseason moves. But first, betonline.ag is your number one source for all the basketball info, stats, news, and scores that you need. Get the latest odds and lines, including player reports for this year's NBA playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, and they've got you covered for all of your sports wagering needs, which includes... Like I said, basketball, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and right on down to UFC and boxing. It is also the fastest and easiest way to get all of your betting info, which includes live betting options, as well as your favorite casino and card games, which you can play right from your home. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Just be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Remember, guys, that's Believe, B-L-E-A-V, to get your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Josh Kendall joins me now, who does an excellent job covering the Atlanta Falcons for The Athletic. Josh, thank you so much for joining me, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, so... Today, you know, a bulk of our conversation, as I mentioned to you, is going to be just kind of jointly going through a lot of the Falcons top offseason moves and seeing if we can compile them in some sort of, of top five ranking. You know, it's it's honestly all totally subjective. And I'm not a big fan of these top five lists or lists in general, because I think that they needlessly like prioritize certain moves over others when honestly it all makes sense. But it's for the content. So we're going to do that a little it's bit. May. It's May, right? I mean, we've got 
so many more months of of random content. I can't wait until it's like you remember the Game of Thrones characters. It's like let's go through the Patriots roster and compare them to the Game of Thrones. Characters. It's like what are we doing here? We get there exactly. We'll get there. But first, I wanna I wanna talk to you a little bit about something that um your colleague over the at the Athletic uh, Nate Tice tweeted out um yesterday and basically playing around with some of the true media stats and he came up with a. Uh, a new metric, I guess, that, that he's terming successful targets per route run. Did you see this, Josh? Yeah. Did you see his tweet? Okay. I, I did. So, I did. Yeah. So in, in this metric, uh, which another way, I guess, to summarize this would be targets that went for successful plays per the number of routes run that a, that a player had. Um, Drake London, ninth on this list, and Kyle Pitts, 24th. Uh, for reference, Jalen Waddell is 25th, um, and Jamar Chase is 10th. So, you know, those are two very prominent receivers in the NFL that the two top Falcons receivers are are just ahead of. Do you think, you know, there's a lot of ways to read this metric, but if we see an uptick in the overall volume of Atlanta's passing game and kind of success, like, do you think that these numbers on the per route basis can translate to overall, like the type of fantasy numbers that fans, I think, were looking for last year and were a little disappointed to not see? I still worry about the Falcons and anybody on the Falcons as a fantasy play because <laughs> they distribute the ball so much. So I think that Kyle Pitts and Drake London, their production per target will still be among the league's best this year. I don't think it, it might not be quite as good because I think they're per target because I think their targets will increase, which is good news for fantasy people. But mm-hmm. in terms of the volume you need, I'm not a big fantasy player. So I don't know all the intricacies intricacies but in terms of the volume that you need i worry about that because kyle and drake you know are one two in the passing game you're gonna feed b john robinson a ton of touches let's don't forget that they traded for arthur smith's favorite john o smith <laughs> tyler algier is still a guy that they you know arthur smith would love nothing more than for the fourth quarters of 2023 to all feature 15 tyler algier carries so <laughs> You know, I just I just don't see I would be scared as good as these individual pieces are. I'd be scared of them all in fantasy. Yeah. And maybe fantasy was kind of the wrong package to put that in. I I guess I meant just more of these overall bulk kind of counting stats that we're more used to the total yards, the total touchdowns, all of that stuff. But I, I, I like the way that you framed it, because I do think that that's right. I think that the Falcons look for that kind of point of diminishing marginal return, right? Like on that, on the graph, right where that meets the volume and the production. And they want to maximize the production, you know, while not just overburdening a player and just peppering them with targets to the point where, all right, that catch didn't go amount to really much of anything. The next one will, but that one won't. It's like they want every single play to be impactful, correct? Right. And if you looked, you know, Nate made a secondary list of guys who are sort of, I guess, below the 30 or 50 target ratio. And Mm -hmm. Carol Hodge was on there. There was a there was a time, you know, I think at the quarter mark of last season, Kadero Hodge led the league in yards per target. You know, if you took out any any sort of parameters for how many targets you had to have. So I think that this offense has proven that they're, you know, they're willing. It's built to create opportunities for everybody. Now, you put elite skill position guys in there, and that helps a ton, but it's built to sort of create opportunities across the field. Yeah, and and that makes a lot of sense. And again, you know, they want to look for these explosive opportunities. If they're going to take the opportunities through the air, they really want to make them um, count. And so you can 
quibble a little bit, and this is my somewhat not so smooth transition into our top five list um, with the added kind of explosive element, I guess, on offense. It seems like a lot of the free agent offseason acquisitions, at least, uh, were primarily focused on the defense side of the ball. You had the extensions and the re-signing on the offensive line. You brought in a Mac Hollins, but again, the explosiveness. I think offensively, Bijan is is kind of the the big explosive addition um, to the offensive yeah. game, and I don't want to diminish what Johnu Smith brings. Um, but yeah, I think we you, I think you get what I mean by that. Um, but yeah. when I sent you this, I, I sent you the word best, right? The best Falcons offseason moves, and I also yeah. used moves a little bit lightly because as I made my long list, I included the hiring of Ryan Nielsen and the hiring of Jerry Gray as as kind of offseason moves. So. I want to Nielsen's just start, definitely on my list. Okay, good. So I just want to start at, at number five, right? And doing a top five when they've made as many moves as they have, as many potentially impactful moves yeah. is, is really hard. Like I was, I was even going to pitch you like, all right, well, here are three potential candidates for the number five. And I've, I think I've got like 11 names here that could all like, you could see an argument at number five. So is there any, anybody who you think is maybe just a really solid starting point if you're going to build a top five list you can throw out a name and then i've got some if you if you want me to well i don't, I don't know where you have the nielsen hiring on your list but i would i would slot it in the top five for sure i wouldn't go lower than five i think it happened so long ago that you know we tend to forget about it but for me it's a really big deal i agree and i i think if you want to make the, the argument that the five is is the spot to put it because you're right. It's maybe the first domino that that also has led to a lot of the acquisitions that right. we saw on the defensive side of the ball. I do think that there was a focus and an intention on on getting the defensive line aspect of this, like making that a huge focus. And of course, what he did um, defensively, you know, I think a couple of these defensive line additions, a Calais Campbell, a David Onyemata, like it depends on what your parameters are. But I could see a case for right. For one of those two guys ending up here, if you were maybe going to look at the pure upside of 2023 and long-term impact, I don't know if if either of those guys are going to crack like the top three. Um, and then maybe this is where a John U. Smith or a Jeff Okuda goes. So, like, do you still like the Ryan Nielsen aspect of of it for that reason? Like that he's the coach, he's got a lot of say on on all of these guys. Um, or could I convince you on any of those players there? Well, I would put the players higher because I I do still think it's a players league, but I think that that starts with Nielsen. I think that Arthur Smith made a decision when Dean Pease decided to retire that he was changing the sort of intent of the Falcons defense. Dean Pease, I I, I really enjoyed Dean Pease's two years in Atlanta. I think Dean Pease is a really good defensive coach, but it's a totally mm-hmm. different way of coaching defense than Ryan Nielsen brings to Atlanta, and a lot of that was scheme dependent. But you know, this was a lot of reaction this was a lot of we're just going to kind of keep you in front of us we're just going to catch everything in front of us we're going to slow you down we don't have the the dudes out here to make a ton of plays and make a lot of momentum plays but we feel like we can scheme it up so that we slow you down as good as 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 best as possible when he leaves they bring in Ryan Nielsen you mentioned the defensive line the defensive line is going to play completely differently than they played under Dean Pease Dean Pease was a your my defensive line. Your job is just to hold the point of attack. I want mm-hmm. you to just stick it right. You know, stick it right there. Going to be a lot more guy. These guys has to penetrate and make plays, which is a, something I think Grady Jarrett is more comfortable with in the way he plays. You look at the guys that they brought in, guys in that Saint style, some actual ex Saints. 
So <laughs> I think that all starts with Ryan Nielsen. I think it was a conscious decision on Arthur's part to change the whole approach of their defense, and it starts with the coordinator. What do you think, because I agree with you, you know, I think that it's going to be a little bit more of that one gap kind of penetrating, get the tackles for a loss, you know, get a, a loss of three on a first down, boom, now we're cooking. Like, let's get off the field in, in this set of downs. Um, what do you think is going to be similar between the defenses under Dean Pease and, and Ryan Nielsen, if anything? I, I don't know that anything will. You know, Dean wanted to play more man coverage than he did. He just couldn't do it. This team ought to be able to do it with the additions that they've made. They're going to play a lot mm-hmm. more press man coverage. Jesse Bates is going to allow them, and Jesse Bates would be would be higher on my list because he's going to allow them to do a lot of different things in the secondary. We talk we talk a lot about the defensive line, rightfully so. But this team couldn't do enough effectively in the secondary to give the defensive line much of give the pass rush a ton of chance last year. So I think that that's that's huge. I you know I I don't see a ton of I don't I don't think there are going to be many similarities at all. I think this is going to be a pretty stark difference. Wow, I'm excited to I'm excited to see that and I. I need to learn by now, like every time I get into training camp, one of the first things I look at and get excited about is like, oh, what does the defense look like? And, you know, they're doing all these crazy things. And then, you know, you roll out there and first week of, of the regular season and it's like, oh, yeah, no, that actually looks like every other defense of like a normal NFL defense. And it all just looks weird in, in training camp because they're expending experimenting with a lot of different things. Um, all right, let's go to number four on the list. This is probably, you know, where we get into a lot of the players uh, and my mind goes to those defensive players. Um, not a Jesse Bates. I think he's going to be a little bit higher on the list. But again, is this is this a David Onyemata spot? Is this a, you know, I, I think I put maybe him a little bit higher than a Clayus Campbell or a Jeff Okuda, which might surprise some people. But I think the longer term impact of what Onyemata is bringing could be a little bit higher. So let me let me toss you out. Uh, let me toss you out Calais Campbell or re-signing Caleb McGarry. I'm going to go Calais Campbell. I'm a sucker okay. for what, you know, Calais Campbell's 30-minute intro um, press conference when he came to Atlanta. I mean, this is a guy who, I mean, he will be playing <laughs> in his 16th season I know. on the defensive line in the NFL next year. That is absolutely stunning and remarkable. He's done it at a very high level. He's a guy who, by all accounts, is a really good locker room guy. I mean, he's just got this James Earl Jones booming voice. I mean, you you would buy stock from Calais Campbell. You know, he's just <laughs> he's got that kind of gravitas. Yeah, and and he's the size of a mountain. So I think that that was an important hiring for for or important signing for the Falcons because he could have gone other places. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that a guy like that chooses Atlanta and seems to legitimately believe that they have the chance to to make some noise is, you know, that that's a pretty good sign for the Falcons. And that's a pretty good sign for Arthur Smith that he was able to convince a guy like that that they're running a professional organization that plans to contend this year. I do think that, that it's a nice little bellwether, right, for which way players in the league, veterans in the league, because these guys who are maybe looking at the latter part of their career and they want to go somewhere that they can win, you get a couple of go- those guys like, to sign on with with your program that does i think offer a little bit of optimism for okay you know guys who are in the thick of this and are making decisions that affect their legacy their livelihood all of this stuff they're willing to kind of jump on board and and buy into what arthur smith and and his program is about then yeah that that's a, a heartening reason and i was thinking about Calais campbell earlier um you know i i don't know what our ceiling level expectations should be like i don't think he's a guy that can touch double digit sacks 
Could I be wrong? Sure. But like, I I don't anticipate that being the case in 2023. Instead, I think of the, the, the great line, you know, I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. To me, this signing is a success for Atlanta. If over the course of 17 games, he has 10 impactful plays in the second half of games. And that might be a high number for like what could ultimately impact the season. But if it's the third or fourth quarter and it's, it's late in it down and he makes a play like that to me is as valuable uh, as anything, even if he finishes the year with three and a half sacks. So I'm totally down with Calais Campbell for all the reasons you outlined. Was there anybody else that you had um, kind of circling around your brain for this spot as well? No, I, I, the rest of my players are probably higher up on my list. I'm, and, and I probably, I'm probably overvaluing the Calais Campbell signing, but I do think it's an impact <laughs> signing. So moving on to number three, uh, who, who are you looking at at this spot? I mean, this is probably where I would put, um, yeah, this is, this is a weird one for me. Um, because I, I hesitate to say best, but Caden Ellis has got to go somewhere on this list to me. I love it. I just, and, and because I think a, he could be, you know, he's going to kind of be a litmus test in 18 months for did the Falcons really have a great grand plan and knew exactly what they were doing and building this thing and look, and they found this guy right as he was about to explode and be this impact guy who can get pressure on the passer and make big plays for you. And you put him next to Troy Anderson and look at that duo or in 18 months are people going to say, well, it's the same old Falcons. Look what, you know, they overpaid for Caden Dallas, blah, 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 blah. So I think he's got a chance to be good. And, but either way, I think he serves as a real litmus test for this regime in this offseason. I love, I love that you brought up Caden Ellis um, because he is one of the most, I think, fascinating uh, acquisitions of this offseason for exactly the reason that you just pointed out. There's always that point, and maybe it's just like the end of the honeymoon phase, although I, I think that you could say like we're entering year three of this, <laughs> this organization. Like I, I think they're well out of the honeymoon phase, but there hasn't really been that total, you know, miss like maybe Jalen Mayfield, but that's like way too early. And I hate even calling somebody who's like right. dealt with injuries and stuff like, like, I don't want to put a label on anybody like that. But I, I think back to, you know, with Thomas Dimitrov, it was, it was kind of prior Jerry. And then it was the Ray Edwards signing. And it was like, wow, okay, maybe every move you make is not gold. So far, you know, it's we can talk a lot about, you know, how Terry Fonda has historically found a lot of these undervalued guys and they've gotten good production for what they're paying and yada, yada, yada. But all it takes is is somebody like a Cade Nellis to come in here and, and, you know, not perform up to our expectation. And then that's hard to get out of the back of your mind the next time they take a chance on this kind of young right. up and coming player. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I think he could be exactly what this team needs and he, you know, he could be a steal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, he's, he is a guy who's been in the league for four years. He has essentially played half of a, you know, really productive season. So, you know, is he emerging? Is he, is he coming into his own right now? Or is he Jeremy Lin? I mean, did he just get, did he just get really hot? And he's never going to match that again. And if, he, if that's the case, then that's, you know, that is sort of a black mark and also hurts your defense because – he is the guy, you know, you've got to have sacks. You've got to get the quarterback on the ground. So somebody's got to do it. Yes. And I think that he is the, the buy low player for this offseason for me. Again, like I, I think there's a chance that we're looking at 
at him coming out of the year. And it's like, wow, yeah, he's he's a piece of the puzzle moving forward. And the Falcons got him at a relative bargain the year before he kind of pops. But or, you know, I guess like buying on the on the bump that he had at the end of last year and, and just investing in that. But he's an option, I think, for number three. You know, we only have three spots left, though. And, and if we're looking at at signings, you know, like, um, you know, bringing in a Janu Smith or you know, trading for a Jeff Okuda or, you know, I, I, again, I think Jesse Bates is going to be on our list, but a David Onyemata or even extending Chris Lindstrom, like you can't fit all of those guys in here. So is Cade Nellis, like, do you think he has the chance to be that impact player for them, not only in 2023, but maybe beyond a warrant, truly like the third spot on this list? Or would you go with like an extending Chris Lindstrom as the pillar of, of the thing is, is, are you really locked in on, on Cade Nellis here? You think it's that solid of a move? I, I could be talked out. You you could, you know, I'm never going to argue against Chris Lindstrom. I love everything about Chris Lindstrom. What he is as a person, what he does on the football field, I think that's great. I just don't get super excited about re-signings. My mind tends to go to additions and, and how do you build on what you have. Chris Lindstrom was part of this thing. But I do think it's a really important long-term signing for the Falcons because they have said we're going to put our money where our mouth is. And we say these are the things we value. And even if those things come at the guard position, which a lot of people don't like to pay for, we're <laughs> going to pay for those. So, you know, you know, I can, you know, from that standpoint, absolutely, you could put Chris Lester in. You know, I definitely think you could, but I also get what you're what you're saying about like it's not the most fun thing to think about. Not only just because of the position, right. but also he's been around, and we've seen Falcons teams with Chris Lindstrom on board. So, as you know, you're right. We're going through this exercise and just thinking about the off season the new guys tend to tend to crop up first. And, you know, even just sitting here thinking about, all right, well, what about a Jeff Okuda or a David Onyemata or whatever? I kind of think just Caden Ellis has a little bit of that, that like essence and pop and upside and like fun element to him. So I'm totally on board with, with Caden Ellis here at number three. I mean, I, again, he's one of the most fascinating uh, acquisitions for Atlanta for me this off season. So Definitely on board. I just wanted to see if, you know, how how close you were on that. I, if I could poke any holes in, in your logic there. No, but no that's good. No, pretty no. steadfast. I like it. Um, number two, what, uh, where does your mind go here? You, you, you give, me, give me your two because there, there are a lot of pieces left that you could fit in the top two. There could. Uh, I think this is when I'm going to go with Bijan. I think I'm going to go Bijan two, um, okay. which that's... That's just where, you know, my mind goes. Obviously, I think that that leaves like one clear name for for number one. Um, and, you know, we'll leave it for for there unless, you know, that's who you want to pitch here at number two. But with Bijan, I think it's a little bit no, of that. Unproven- the same guy. All right. Um, I think with, yeah. with Bijan, it's a little bit of that unknown element that I'm still, you know, we haven't seen it yet, but it's it's obviously very exciting. I do think it's not hard to envision how he fits into this offense, how he changes this offense, but still allows it to be the same. So, I mean, for all of those reasons that we've been talking about for the last like week and a half, I like, I I am totally on board with the Bijan acquisition and and draft pick, even though for all the reasons that everybody's pointed out value wise running back visit, but like you and I, I think are very like-minded, just get the good players on your team. It, It doesn't really matter at the end of the day, like when you picked them, have them on your roster, have them on your 53. That's the number that I care about. Um, so, yeah, what do you think about number two here? Well, I, I'm with you on Bijan. I will, I will listen to the positional value and, you know, the reasons it's not, it might not be smart to draft a running back in the top 10. I'll absolutely hear that argument because I think it's got some merit. But 
the Falcons, you know, at this point, that argument's moot. You know, the Falcons have made the choice. So let's move, let's move to what it means now. And we use the term versatility, this sort of vague catch-all term for Bijan, and he is very versatile. But I don't think that that gets to the heart of the matter. Bijan legitimately immediately fills two holes that this team needs. They needed another running back just because mm-hmm. of all the volume that they have there. They could use you know, the type of running back he is, somebody who's a change of pace from the Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley, choo-choo train. <clears throat> and they needed a slot receiver. And Bijan can legitimately, I think, be an NFL slot receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, not every not every down, but he can be that guy. He can be dangerous in that spot any snap of the game. So he legitimately fills two holes right away. He's a dynamic athlete who can impact every area of your offense. He fits in seamlessly with these other pieces that you've got. Um, so I think the, from the player, there is nobody the Falcons could have drafted that would make them more. That would add more fun, more entertainment. <laughs> to their team than B. John Robinson in 2023. Do you think, and, you know, obviously there's so, so many factors that go into to actually making a decision, and, and this isn't even anything I've totally solidified as a, as a thought yet, but that element of fun, because, I mean, I said the same thing. It's like, regardless of, of whatever happens, I mean, people are going to be more excited to see this offense with Bijan on it than without. Uh, yeah. Do you think that was any part of the consideration at all with with the selection at number eight? Certainly not from a football standpoint, but from like the overall organization standpoint. I think it was probably easier to sell Arthur Blank on that. You know, I, I think that Arthur <laughs> yeah. Smith just just hates fun in general. I think he's he's just anti he's just an anti fun person. But <laughs> I think that um, I think that Arthur Blank for the owner certainly you can sell that. You know, I don't I don't think that the Falcons drafted Bijan because he's the most exciting player. I think that they draft him because I think he's the most impactful player. But from our standpoint, it's it's a bonus that he it, there is an excitement, there is a buzz factor there. One hundred percent, yeah. And, and again, like that's Arthur Smith is not going to sit there and, and say, "Well, this player is going to sell more tickets, so we're going to take him." Like it's not his job. His job is to definitely be no fun. Um, but yeah, I could see right. the owner uh, owner getting on board and saying, "Hey, give him the number seven jersey while you're at it." Uh, that that can't go wrong at all. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, all right. So uh, I think we're both definitely down with, uh, with Bijan being the number two spot. So then I have to assume your number one, uh, kind of like my number one was signing Jesse Bates this off season. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think that there, there's a little bit of what I talked about with Calais Campbell in there. You know, Jesse Bates was one of the top two or three free agents on the market. The Falcons traditionally don't swim in that pool not mm-hmm. just because they don't have the money, just because there are other more attractive targets. So you get a guy like that who's a headliner of this free agency class. That's one thing. A second thing is I think he's really impactful with what you're able to do secondary. I think he's really impactful with the amount of the different types of coverages you can play, how you can disguise those coverages, and he is a mistake eraser. He has shown a really real knack for erasing mistakes in the back end, and that's invaluable. Completely. I, I think he brings a very high floor in, in a lot of the aspects of the game that you need from that safety position. You know, I, I think that one of the underrated, underratedly like bad parts of Atlanta's uh, team last year was their tackling on defense. You know, I, I think that that got a little bit overshadowed by some of the other poor stats, you know, namely kind of the sack and lack of pressures, but they were not a good tackling team and it allowed other teams to extend drives against them when the Falcons should have gotten off the field. Um and so I think that Jesse Bates, like that's the number one area that 
stands out to me. I, I, everybody likes to talk about his center field ability and his playmaking and instincts on that stuff. When I turn on the film, I just see him like knife through waves of offensive players who are trying to get a hand on him. And he just kind of is the one guy to make a tackle, you know, on the ball carrier and sticks him. And it's really fun to watch. So I think that for that yeah. reason, um, that's the number one reason I'm excited to have him here, but also that back end versatility, allowing them to play man a little bit more, knowing that you've got somebody who can erase uh, some of those mistakes on the back end, if, if any are made. Um, and then the veteran leadership, the captain uh, ship in the locker room, like I think all of that stuff, yeah, it matches kind of what they're looking for. And like he said, it, it was just exciting to see them go after kind of that big price tag free agent. And, and this is a player that seemingly checks every box. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I think I think high floor is a good way to describe it. I think that he makes you better, you know, almost assuredly in a lot of different areas. This is not um, a Caden Ellis where it you know it might hit big or it might miss. This might hit big, but it's and it's not gonna miss. You know, you are going to get a level of professionalism and consistent play from Jesse Bates that will help every uh, the other ten spots on your defense every snap. The proven track record is is there. He's been healthy throughout his career. So yeah, th- this is this is getting that like five tool player and and having him come in and and do exactly what you need him to do. Um, so yeah, I think that it was a really really solid um, move to kind of get everything going this off season. But let me real quick run through our list uh, just for the listeners. So uh, top five kind of Falcons moves this off season. Number five, the hiring of of defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen. Number four, the uh, signing of defensive lineman Clayus Campbell. The uh, number three, the signing of linebacker Caden Ellis. Number two, the drafting of running back Bijan Robinson, and then number one, the signing of safety Jesse Bates. So, uh, Josh, before I let you go, do you have any final thoughts for where we are uh, at this point in the offseason, post drafts, kind of rookie mini camp next on the horizon? Where's your mindset about the Falcons? I think that this is this is the year they need to win. You know, they they you you mentioned that the honeymoon is over, and it's and it's it's well over. You know, year three in the NFL, and you're fourteen and twenty, and everybody, including the owner, understands why, and understood that it was kind of going to be this way. And notwithstanding, it's year three. You're in a division that's one of the worst in the NFL. You've got what statistically is the easiest schedule in the league. You spent a ton of money to bolster your team. It's time for this team to win. Well said. You got anything to plug before you get out of here? That's it. Just follow us at The Athletic. We appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Short and sweet. Well, Josh Kendall, thank you so much for, uh, for joining me today. Thanks, Will. Appreciate you. All right. I want to give a big thank you again to Josh Kendall for joining me on today's show and running through our list of the, uh, the top five Falcons offseason moves. It is a big, big time for the Atlanta Falcons. The NFC is really outside of the Eagles. And, you know, I, I always love the 49ers. I think that that they're kind of going to be interesting year in and year out. There, there are a few teams like that, but definitely in the NFC South. Uh, and really, honestly, I think in kind of the NFC as a whole, there's a little bit of a power vacuum. And the Falcons had this little rebuild that they they went under that nobody wanted to call a rebuild. But this this transition phase um, and it's not been, you know, the easiest last couple of years for Atlanta, but it kind of feels like they got a lot of that out of the way at just the right time. And now when you've got some of these more perennial powers retooling and, and trying to figure out what is next for them, the Falcons seem ready to hit the ground running. Uh, and so I'm very excited 
for what this summer holds, for what training camp holds, the preseason, and then finally on into the regular season. So I hope you guys will remain with me throughout the entire ride. Uh, This has been a lot of fun doing this podcast, and hopefully this season is when it all kind of pays off with uh, a better performance on the field. But as always, today's show is presented by Bet Online. That will do it for me today. I'll catch you guys tomorrow when we uh, break down the NFL schedule release. So until then, everyone, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.